Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me, Bill Arnold here. I'm awfully glad to have Lee Wolf Bloom in studio, and I'm awfully grateful for uh, my last hour with Welby O'Brien. Uh, for those of you who might be curious, uh, her book title, because I just got a couple of emails, give me the book title again. It's called Goodbye for Now, Practical Help and Personal Hope for Those Who Grieve. And I'm uh, so glad to be uh, having this time with Lee Wolf Bloom. What a discovery she made through the DNA testing Turns out dad wasn't dead. And very interesting that you met him finally. What was that like? Well, a couple of things. Um, one, just, you know, giving credit where credit is due. The My father who raised me, um, once I discussed this with him, um, I think it was really healing for him to finally have that secret out. But then when you think about that he chose to raise me and love me. Beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, our relationship through this has grown so deep. Um, then my birth father um, was, you know, he had vowed to not ever say anything and not interrupt the family, meaning my family. So I think he was scared um, and he was kind. And we talked at the end and he said, you know, I never thought I'd ever meet you, but I'm so glad I did. And this is the start of a great relationship. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when I went to meet him, my first idea was I was going to get off the airplane in a T-shirt that said favorite daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I wanted to have balloons that said it's a girl and hand out little cigars Mm -hmm. because I met his extended family, too, because I never had a proper you yeah. know, announcement. Right. Right. But I didn't think that would be very nice. So I didn't do that. <laughs> Probably smart. <laughs> All right. We're going to uh, just take 60 seconds to give you a chance to send us a question that you might have. I just had one come in. I'm going to start with that one when we come back from a short break. But Lee Wolf Bloom is in studio and we're talking about what happens when you discover uh, through the DNA testing that's going on. There's so many people doing this now that you may not be exactly uh, who you think you are. And maybe you've been lied to. So we're going to take a short break. Again, email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Of course, you can remain anonymous, and I will ask the question on your behalf. Bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Listeners often tell us their radios are set to the Faith Radio FM signal in their city, and they rarely, if ever, change it. There is now a Faith Radio FM signal in all of the nine cities where we broadcast throughout the Upper Midwest and Hartford, Connecticut. Find the Faith Radio signal for your city at MyFaithRadio.com. Under the About tab, click on How to Listen, and you'll see our list of frequencies. Keep hope and encouragement locked in to Faith Radio on FM. Finding encouragement. I'm just grateful to be able to be free to listen to Christian Radio. And we're free to do that. I like a lot of the talk radio. Encouraging, uplifting, um, hopeful. I just have been listening forever, it yeah. seems like. Oh, I just appreciate the uplifting 
you know, reminder of who I am and what I'm here for every day. Yeah. <laughs> Connecting your faith to your everyday life on Faith Radio. Back to the show. Awful glad to have Lee Wolf Bloom in studio. And she's written a couple of books. And so, you know, she's a great author and a great thinker. And Brave is the New Beautiful is one of her books, Finding the Courage to Be the Real You. And then also uh, Darkness, A Table in the Darkness, A, a Healing Journey Through an Eating Disorder. Uh, both great books, great reads. And But now we're just talking about an experience she had uh, recently where through DNA testing, she found out that her uh, biological father was um, someone that she had never met before, and she met him for the first time last week? Last Thursday, yeah. Last Thursday, and you just showed me a, a picture of mm-hmm. you and him, and what was my response? You hit your head like, I can't believe it. <laughs> you guys look identical. I know, it's creepy, isn't identical, it? Identical, yes, yeah. yes. So I've already got someone jumping in with an anonymous question. I am that mom, I think referring to your mom. Mm-hmm. I am that mom with a young adult child what do I do now? You tell them. Because here's the reality. Um, you will have no choice in about two years. The way um, our technology is moving, there will be no choice. And you'd rather, your child would rather it come from you than finding out on the internet. Right? Seeing on the internet that my sister, who is my very best friend, was my half-sister, was soul-crushing. So there's um, some really good information out there right now basically saying that parents will have no choice but to be honest with their children about their origins since we'll not have the same expectations of a genetic privacy that people used to have 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is happening when you look at the research probably in about two years. I mean, the, the swiftness, I was able to find out exactly where he lived, his phone number, what he did for a living, how much he paid for his house. I mean, you can find out anything on the internet and you don't want your kid to go on and find this out. So tell them the truth. And I would tell you that the truth, as painful as it's been, has been so freeing. You know, I really believe Jesus meant it when he said the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this listener was having a perfectly lovely week until you came on. I know. (laughs) Just ruined her weekend. Because now she has to think about that. That's probably something she's been thinking about for a long time right but the freedom of knowing the truth it, there, it, Jesus knew what he was talking about right and then when you also think about that God you know is going to bring good out of our situations right so God's gonna make good out of this and he already has in in many ways I'm not saying it's been easy I have gone through all the stages of grief in fact in one point I took all my grandmother's China and smashed it to pieces on our back deck and then I left it there for a week <laughs> to look at what it. What was the purpose of that? I was so angry. At so grandma? Everyone. Okay. For being lied to. Oh, so the grandma's... Um, she was the one that who... Rep- but that represented something family, sacred? right. And family. And family. Yeah. But then I took it and I put it in a jar and I put lights around it. And the lights are shining through that broken piece because I believe strongly, more than I've ever believed in my life, that scripture and that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, which is he's going to bring good out of this 
He's going to somehow use my pain if it helps others. He's going to use this in a way that I, I can't fathom, right? Mm-hmm. I just need to take it one day at a time, take care of myself, and trust, which is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Dad, that raised you when you got this information. How did he respond? We both were sobbing so hysterically on the phone. We had to get off the phone okay. and then get back on. And he was brokenhearted. And he said, his first words are, you've always been mine since the day I held you in my arms. Oh, you're killing me. And then he said, I'll, me right I'll do now. whatever it takes. And I'm so sorry. Mm. Yeah. You know, so then you look at, then, then I really struggled with, okay, God, like, how can I trust you? I, you know, I mean, yes, you're God, and I've been a believer since high school, but really having to do that deep work of how can I really trust anyone? And then you say I'm your child. What does that mean? What does that mean that you're going to take care of me? Are you really? And I've come to this place most recently where all of a sudden it's as if somebody turned the lights on and scripture starts to have life and my faith seems so much deeper than it's ever been because God's all I have right now. I mean, I have friends and family and things like that, but right now I have to keep my feet grounded on trusting that God's got me. While I'm in the pit, I don't quit, right? I've wanted to quit, but I'm like, I am not going to quit because God has got me. And I have to keep reminding myself that over and over again. God's got this, Lee, God's got this. And then trusting that God's going to bring beauty out of it. And he has, there's been some really beautiful things, but you have to also remember that like we have a choice every day. We can live in fear or we can live in hope. And I'm choosing after I broke the China and had many days in bed and could get out of bed, (laughs) um, I'm choosing hope and I'll have hard days, but I'm, I'm choosing to believe that, that truth is so important. And in this generation, um, where technology is so easy and it's moving faster than our ethics. I mean, it is when you think about it. Nobody back in the 50s thought, and think about the hippie days, free love, right? Do you think they ever thought like now that there would be DNA testing where you could find out who everybody's baby is? Mm -hmm. Nobody ever thought that, right? So um, we need to tell the truth. And then the other piece is this is an opportunity for my family, my husband and my children to break the generational sin because this is something that's been happening in my family line for a while. And so we just say no more, Satan. You're done with this line of our family. It stops right here and it stops with me. Mm -hmm. Did you have a bunch of questions for your biological dad? Like we should swap some notes about health issues or what is your health history that I might need to be aware of? Yes. Um, The first thing I asked him is if he was bald. Okay. <laughs> and then if his mom had breast cancer. Oh, really? Those were the things that I was... And then um, I have a child who's had seizures. And so then my third question was, anybody in your family have seizures? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I had a whole list of questions um, and got most of them answered. But that's very important. Also, you know, I was... When I went to the doctor's office, I didn't have accurate information. I only had it half of the story. Yeah. So now I have the whole story. And so that's also why we need to be telling the truth. Yeah, it's so interesting because the, the family history is so important when it comes to your own health. I mean, they right. physicians put a lot of weight on that. Right. And if you can't even be honest about 
who mom and dad is because you don't know. Right. Uh, that's that's not very helpful. Well, and I have um, I have tendency towards skin cancer, and so I went to the dermatologist, and she brings out the medical list. She's like, "Oh, it's time for you to rewrite your medical stuff," and I gave it back to her. And I'm like, "I can't," because at that point in time, I was so upset and so, and I didn't have the answers. But I'm like, right. "I don't know. I'm just um, I'm an enigma." Treat me however you want, Mm -hmm. you know, and I also want to keep this in perspective in the grand scheme of problems and troubles and things that people have, right? Yes, this has been hard, but God never said that life wasn't going to be hard, right? I mean, I love this quote by Max Locato. God never promises to remove us from our struggles. He does promise, however, to change the way we look at them. And so if anyone is listening and hiding a lie, hiding a secret like this. Ask God to show you the way. Yeah. How come you never quote me? (laughs) We'll take a little break. We'll discuss that over the break. (laughs) Lee Wolf Bloom is my guest. We'll take 90 seconds and be back. If you have a question regarding this very delicate subject, let me know what it is. Email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Lee Wolf Bloom is in studio, and we're talking about her story, her discovering that her biological dad was um, someone that she had never met up until last Thursday because of uh, DNA testing and some of those tests you can get online and then find out oh, who your real relatives are. So it's a shocking story, and I, I, I have a feeling since this has happened to you, Lee, there's been other people you've been in conversation with or you've discovered or you have found this kinship with, I mean, that there must be a community of people like you, huh? And thank God there is, <laughs> because it has been really challenging to tell people. Um, this is, it's trauma, and I've, I already have PTSD and trying to deal with it, but then to have, to be traumatized like this again, thank God I'm in my 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do thank God for that. Um, it's traumatizing, and then every time I would tell people, they'd be like, well, your dad's still your dad. I'm like, no, you don't understand. My whole existence that I thought was reality, like I always thought my quads were strong because my dad's quads were strong. Mm -hmm. I always thought my cheeks were my dad's. I always thought wolf is my maiden name. And I always thought I loved being a wolf because there was this like heritage of being this strong, stubborn wolf, Mm -hmm. right? It's gone. Really? Well, it's gone when you first first lose it, Yeah. right? Now, nature versus nurture, how much is what? I don't know. That will sort itself out. So I really had to take a step back and really find people. And this woman started a nonprofit group on Facebook. And in the beginning, she had like 30 people. And in the last two years, it's grown to 6,000 people who are NPEs. So we're not talking sperm donors. We're not talking adoptions. Just people who have experienced what I have. 6,000 people. NPE stand for? It's the genealogy term for not parent expected, which is a biological event where you find out that you're not parent expected. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're called is NPEs. So I found great um, support and um, healing 
through that group. And I also found another group in that group of Christians where we are really talking about scripture and we're talking about um, how we're dealing with this and allowing each other to be angry, allowing each other to be sad, allowing each other to have our, our emotions in a way that we understand. You know, it's kind of a new me too, right? I mean, I don't know what it'll be called in two years, but are you an MPE? Me too, right? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's happening at a rapid, rapid rate. The, the thing I want to also say is my story, as painful and awful as it's been, um, not everyone is accepted. So lots of people find out, they reach out to their birth father, and he says, no, I don't want anything to do with you. I deny your existence, which is, can you, I mean, that's even worse, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm starting to do is starting to remember whose I am. And I'm not saying this as Christian ease or like trying to throw scripture, like, oh, just remember who you are. But I'm finding that if I don't remember that God created me, because for a while I was like, are you kidding me? You knit me together in my mother's womb in an alley, in a car while she was having an affair. That's beauty. No, that's why. Why God? And instead, I'm like, you knit me in, in my mother's womb because you had a plan and a purpose for me, and I will trust that. I will trust that you have a plan and purpose for me and that you are going to bring some good out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I love um, Brennan Manning. Sorry, I'm quoting somebody else Here besides you. you. <laughs> Brennan Manning, one of my favorite quotes is, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is your true self. Every other identity is an illusion. So this is just stripped away everything. Who am I, God? Am I an author? Am I a speaker? Am I Lee Wolf? No. I am beloved by God. And that is what I'm going to keep trusting. Because when I start finding it in all these other places, it goes away. If that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone's out there thinking, you know, I, I can't imagine going through this without having a community of people who really love me um, and a faith, um, something other than human people to rely on, but having a faith to just, and, and faith for me, I like to think of it not as religion, but more like a marriage. You know, my faith, my marriage is not the same as somebody else's. Um, just like my faith is not the same as anyone else's because it's my relationship with God. It's my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's how we work things out. And boy, have we been working things out for the last six months. Mm-hmm. We have been wrestling a lot. So who were you inclined to take it out on initially? Me. Okay. Because when when you grow up in a household, not not my immediate family, but kind of the I'm guessing other people knew when you grow up being the one who doesn't fit Mm -hmm. and you always think you're the one that doesn't fit, then you always think you're the one that needs to be fixed. So then when this happened, my first thought was, this is my fault, which my whole life has been that way. This is my fault. It's my fault. I'm the accident. It's my fault. I talk too loud. It's my fault that my parents are upset. Right. And then when I did this, I'm the one who took the test. So now it's my fault I've uncovered family secrets. So the person I took it out on was me. So interestingly, you know, and not to mention you've gone through a a period of eating disorder and depression, everything else. Right. But here's the thing. God, when I look back at the way this is all played out, right, the tapestry, 
this therapist that I have. I'm a mental health practitioner. I work in the field. I have skills. I have a toolbox. It's like God said, I'm going to give you everything you need for this radical moment in your life so that you can get through it. And he did. But you have to open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Because if I, there were a couple of days where I just laid in fear. And you can't, you start going over to fear and it's a liar, just like that song. It is, it is a liar. And you have to go to hope. And you have to believe scripture and you have to talk. I mean, I talk out loud to God. So yeah, I mean, my story, it's not over yet. And it's been rough. But I will trust and believe that God has a plan for my life. Mm -hmm. So if you think that this might be your story, or maybe you look at your siblings and you go, why do I not seem to fit in? You know, my, 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 my hair is dark. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't fit into the family. Right. Are you advising that people take this test or just go to their folks and say, anything you're not telling me? <laughs> Any secrets out there? Save me the 29 bucks. So I don't have to <laughs> yeah, do well, this. actually, it's $100. Okay, I think, whatever. Industry, but um, yeah, I would say just go ask. I mean, what's weird about me is I look exactly like my sister. We look like twins. Our you whole, really? Yeah. Our whole life, people called us twins. Okay. So then when this came out, you know what the first thing I did was? What? Called Ancestry. I got on the phone and I'm like, what are you thinking? Why would you tell me my sister's my half sister? And the lady says, oh, honey, you need to go get a therapist. Wow. Because <laughs> they, they're used to dealing with this. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and, and you they're going to need sister, to do more. <laughs> you and your sister had the same mom. We have the same mom. And genetics, when you start to research genetics, you know, they're funny. Sometimes you can look not anything alike and be, be siblings. So how you looked isn't really the thing, but... Um, I always knew, and and there's a great book out called The Body Keeps the Score about trauma and how trauma is held in our bodies. And I know Susie Larson has a fantastic book, Fully Alive, about you know trauma in ourselves. I always knew deep down, I've known since the day I was born, that something was wrong. Hmm. And this only, and that was the night I broke the china, it was when I finally realized this is what I've been feeling my whole life. And thank you, God, for telling me, Yeah. right? Now I can move forward in freedom. Do you want to quote anyone else other than me before we wrap up here? <laughs> um, let me think. You got anything else you want to <laughs> rattle off there? No, I, you know, I guess I, I mean, really. <sighs> it's a challenging subject. You've handled it yeah. beautifully. You've thank really you. given us a lot to think about. And, and is there a, a place where people could connect with you? Is there a- yeah, on my website, there's a, a contact form leewolfbloom.com and it's spelled l-e-e-w-o-l-f-e-b-l-u-m.com yeah. and that might be a good place to reach out if you are looking for that and also uh lee's written a couple of books and they're awesome uh one is called table in the darkness a healing journey through an eating disorder and the other one is called brave is the new beautiful so lee thanks for coming in thank you for having yeah. me we'll take a short break and then when we come back dr greg borgond Uh, Just got back from Ireland where he celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary. And boy, did he learn some lessons. He's going to share them all. We'll take a short break and be right back. back we're we're going to go overseas right now in the next uh, 25 <laughs> minutes or so my guest dr greg borgon has just returned 
He and his wife, Debbie, were in Ireland for six weeks. They celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And I'm just looking at some of his stats. He drove 1,400 miles. He walked 100 miles. He was in five castles, stayed in five castles. He uh, he went to 30 villages to visit. He ate seven lobsters, I hopefully not at once. <laughs> he had uh, went to dozens of gardens and had lots of laughter. Um, so I want to hear all about the, the, the trip and what God taught you yeah. um, and after 50 years of marriage, the kind of testimony you have being out in public and meeting all the people from Ireland. Greg, welcome back. Well, it's good to be here. It's yeah. good to be here. So I know you're still mentally and emotionally in Ireland. I sure even am, Even though you're Bill. physically here in my <laughs> studio. Uh, tell me everything. I want to know how it went. Well, you know, Debbie and I have been there. This is our sixth time. Actually, the first time I went was 2007. A friend of mine, Erwin uh, McManus, who your audience might be familiar with, uh, the lead pastor at Mosaic brought me and two of my board members to Ireland in 2007. And I came a week early. He was speaking in Odyssey Arena in Belfast in Northern Ireland. There, it was called the mandate. About 4,000 men were in that, that arena. But I came a week early and I rented a car and I got hold of a travel agent. And I said, look, I'm driving west from Dublin. And I said, I've never been to Ireland. The only thing I want to make sure you do for me is to make sure I stay in castles at night. So for one week, I drove west and went to the West Coast and fell in love with it. And since then, been back five different times and um, just fell in love with it. I, I've been all over the world. You know, I was in the military for 29 years, so I got to see a lot of the world. It's the only place that every time I get off the airplane at Shannon Airport, all of a sudden it's just this overwhelming sense of peace. Anxiety just drifts away, and uh, the beauty of the country, the small villages, 90% of the Republic of Ireland is small villages and towns. The roads are exceedingly narrow, but it's green, all various shades of green. There are 250,000 miles of stone fences. Rocky country, and obviously for the small plots over the, you know, the centuries, uh, they remove the rocks and put them under these separate their their farm plots and so there's these, it, if you fly over it it looks like this this um tapestry of all these different colors of green but there's something about green according to psychologists that kind of just gives you some sense of peace well anyway we normally go to the western coast of ireland to begin with we go to this village called roundstone and they have this pub there that's the best seafood restaurant in all of Ireland. You sit outside the pub and, at night, and they bring these crates of uh, fresh lobster. And then they cook up the lobster. And then we stayed at a place called Zetland Country House on uh, Cashel Bay. And, and we generally stay about four weeks in this cottage where I do most of my writing. But this time, Debbie and I were there to celebrate our 50th anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, in the States now, we're kind of an anomaly. People married that long, but not so. I found out in Ireland, <laughs> in one of the castles we were at, Kilronan Castle, I was outside in, uh, on the patio, and, and all of a sudden these people, nicely dressed young people, came out to the patio because there was a reception there, and they just sat down, and we started talking, and they wanted to look at my hat and wanted to know why it said 1969 2019, I said, well, my wife and I have been married for 50 years. And he says, well, congratulations. And I said, it's an anomaly in the States. He says, well, not really here. And it has to do with the Roman Catholic Church and having 
had such an influence, there are a lot of people. But he says the younger generation don't see that as a value. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, um, Debbie and I, just this time, just I just wanted to spoil her. Because she has always given me the platform I get to dance on. She has always been my cheerleader. I, I honestly believe, Bill, I wouldn't be the man I am today had God not given me the gift of my wife, Debbie. And uh, she has just not only been my love, she's been my companion, she's been my conscience, she's been my truth teller, um, she's been my sounding board. And so I wanted to just spoil her and spend the whole time spoiling her. So, <laughs> you know, in Ireland, it doesn't, it, for the time we were there, we were there from June 10th through um, July 24th, the temperature never got higher than 70 degrees. And in the morning, it's in its 50s, and at night, it goes drops down. And it doesn't get dark, at least during that time, didn't get dark until 10. Mm-hmm. But she loves fires in the fireplace. And where we stay in this cottage on the outskirts of Ashford Castle is owned by the Gilly, who is the fishing guide for the castle. And has been in his family for 100 years. His grandfather was the farming manager for Guinness when Guinness owned the castle of Guinness Ale. Anyway, um, has this big shed with all this wood. And so I think we probably went through two cords of wood. But <laughs> I'd, I'd make a fire for my wife in the morning. And she'd come out and sit down. And I'd bring out some hand cream and just rub her feet with the hand cream, which she absolutely loved. <laughs> but I wanted to outserve her because... You know, I've been spending 50 years trying to outserve, and she's always outserved me. Yeah. Did you rub her hands in the evening with foot cream? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cream. I mean, okay. it was just lotion as well. Oh, was. there we go. Smart okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I may seem inconsequential to your listeners, but it, it meant a great deal to her. And we think oftentimes, we've, men especially, that we've got to do this major thing to demonstrate our love for our spouse when it's really all the little things. Mm-hmm. And so my desire was to outserve her. Beautiful. And so anyway, um, we just spent a lot of time just laughing and enjoying each other's company and taking these walks. But we were uh, we were asked repeatedly, "What do you owe the longevity of your marriage to?" And so you know, as Debbie and I were talking about it, we had made some commitments to one another when I came to Christ. We were married in 1969. And I grew up in a Roman Catholic home and didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, although I had an awesome respect for the majesty of God. That's what Roman Catholicism did for me, was give me that awesome respect for God. Went to a parochial school for, for eight years. But my wife is the one who brought me to a church where I heard the gospel. I didn't think I needed it at the time um, because I belonged what I felt to the privilege class, you know. <laughs> and um, so... We ended up going through some difficult times where we lost four babies, and she became pregnant just before I left for Vietnam. And I went to Vietnam shaking my pin little fist in the face of God, thinking he was going to take this child too. And then seven and a half months later, I got a radio message. I had a baby girl. And so six months later, we're in Key West, Florida, and I'm standing over her crib and thinking what a tremendous gift God had given us in our daughter. And my mind shifted immediately to God gave you a great gift, Greg. It was Jesus Christ, my son, and the gospel made crystal clear sense. And in the middle of the night, I dropped to my knees and gave my heart, body, and soul to Christ. And my wife will say to this day, it was my Damascus Road experience. But in any case, um, I decided at that point, as young as we were, that some things had to change in our marriage. 
and I had to be the one to change them because she wasn't uh, the one at fault for any problems we experienced. It was me, and I came to that realization. So as we talked it out, we made some commitments to one another that to this day we attribute um, the longevity and the depth of our relationship to those commitments we made when we were young. And so I thought I'd, I'd uh, it's all right, I'd, I'll share some of them Oh, with I'd you. love to hear them. Okay. So early on, again, not knowing uh, how significant it would be, we committed to the following things. Number one, we would never demean one another in public. You see that so often where um, a husband or a wife will demean, use that public marina to kind of get that last jab in. And we said, no matter what the status of our relationship is, we will not do that. The second commitment we made is we would never use one another as a brunt of a joke, even, you know, tongue-in-cheek, because there's always a little bit of truth in every joke that you tell. And so it's kind of a sly way, a passive-aggressive way of getting back at your spouse by making them the brunt of a joke. And we decided we were not going to do that, ever. The third commitment we made is we would never argue in public, only in private that we would not raise our voice to one another, even if in the heat of a a circumstance we were angry about something, we would withhold that till we had an opportunity to talk about it in private. The fourth commitment we made is we would never intentionally seek to emotionally hurt one another, to use um, emotionally laden language uh, to jab at one another and to... um, just be mean, be mean uh, demean each other. Another commitment we made is we would not go to bed angry with one another. Now, these are were hard to do, but we, we nevertheless made that commitment. Another commitment we made is we would seek to honor one another publicly and privately, that we'd always look for opportunities to honor one another. Give me an example of that, because that's a beautiful sentiment, but what, what does that look like? Um, that... When the opportunity presented itself, you highlighted the um, uh, something positive that your spouse had done or um, uh, that they cared about or part of their character that you admired. Got you. And, and so you would say, you know, like I would say, you, my friends and men who are part of my heart of a warrior ministry have heard me say repeatedly that my wife, and you heard me say it today, my wife gives me the platform I get to dance on. Those are not frivolous words to me. I know they're not. And so she provided that stability in my soul. I, You know, I can't imagine, and every time I think about it, the longer we're married, it just brings great pain to me, of uh, being here without my wife for any reason. But anyway, back to your question, is we seek opportunities to honor one another. And I remember my wife came in one time when I was meeting with, with 20 men just to share with them what our marriage was like and what I was trying to teach them that I was living that out. I had a conversation today uh, with my grandson, a similar type of a gra- uh, conversation about what he, why he loved living in our home because, as your audience may not know, we're raising our four grandsons. And he says, Papa, he says, there's just peace here. And so Debbie recognizes that, and she'll share that with with people about the environment that we've created. And there's a couple of other commitments. Yeah, maybe we can pick those up after the sure. break. 
because um, we're uh, we're up against a break right now. This is uh, riveting, Greg. It really it's powerful, powerful stuff. And I want to continue more with Dr. Greg Borgon. And he's a regular guest. If you uh, listen to my show, you'll know that he's on uh, regularly. But he just returned from six weeks in Ireland. He celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary. And I thought, oh, I bet there's some things to learn from that. And after 50 years of marriage, I bet there's some great lessons that we can share and some great uh, things to learn. Uh, and I was, I was right. So let me take a little break. We'll, we'll be back in just a minute. show. I'm Dr. Greg Borgon in studio. You go to learn more about him at heartofawarrior.org. Heartofawarrior.org. And Greg and his wife Debbie just came back from their um, anniversary, their 50th anniversary, uh, six weeks in Ireland. And um, I've been there six times myself, and I know a little (laughs) bit about what he speaks of because it really is a magical place. But what I'm hearing from you, Greg, is just the, the beauty of this uh, half century of being married to Debbie and how it's yeah. affected you and some of the promises you've made to each other and the covenants you've yes. been keeping and living yeah. out um, and now raising your four grandkids too. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice going on in that department. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'd like to say we just sat down one day and we came up with these these covenants that we've made with one another, but it was over the course of once I came to Christ in August 11, 1973, over the next three or four years, uh, we added to this covenant list for one another uh, and to make sure that we were representing what we believe Christ wanted us to represent, not only to people who come within our sphere of influence, but to each other. So a couple of more commitments that are a couple of other covenants that we made uh, to one another. And one was that we would love one another regardless and unconditionally. Um, so many of us get into a relationship and we say, I love you because, mm-hmm. and we list these things out, or I love you if you do these certain things. But we made a commitment we were going to love each other regardless. Not if, not because, regardless, unconditionally. Because because is going to change, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, the longer you're married... Uh, the deeper the relationship is, if you're honest with one another. And we all go through seasons of life and changes. And so consequently, if we aren't making these kinds of commitments and understand that the difficult circumstances we're going to face, and we're all going to face them, that we need to make that commitment. You know, no matter what happens, honey, I'm going to love you regardless. Another commitment we made is we said that we would seek to give each other the benefit of the doubt. We that's, wouldn't jump to conclusions. That was a real hard one. I bet. That's that's grace, isn't it? Yeah, well, especially for men because we're always, you know, at least I, I, I tack together all of these possibilities based on a certain circumstance that happens at the moment and look to the future and say, well, that's what could happen if we don't deal with <laughs> this, this one issue right now. Yeah. Oh, our grandson lied? Think what that's going to happen when they're 46 years old. <laughs> but that tendency you have to break. And because 90% of the time that I thought I understood what the circumstances were, I was dead wrong. And so consequently, we need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And finally, 
and the most important we did this early on is that Christ would be the center of our marriage, period. That he would have uh, the authority to um, interject himself at any time, that his word, the word of God, would stand in the privileged vantage point of authority over our relationship. Um, This morning I was meeting with a, a guy uh, at a restaurant, we were talking about we have 25 men that are going to be starting the journey of phase one of Heart of a Warrior. It kind of blew our mind that there'd be that many that'd be interested to take this nine-month journey. And so we were planning that before I left for Ireland. And so we met to talk about some of the details. And we talked about, we got onto the topic of marriage. And he's at a stage in his life where he's, you know, still building his career, very successful and owns a business and, um, and but all the demands on his time he has a young family he has three children he has a wife um a business he's starting or he's he's building on and as well as being involved in the church in significant ways and and so i was sharing with him he, he wanted to know what lessons did you learn just kind of the same question you asked me while i was in ireland and i said how precious the inconvenient moments of our life are is one of the things i learned that even though we might have an agenda of what we want to do, God may have other plans for what we need to be doing. And so when it came to Debbie and I, if we had planned to do something, we said, you know what, maybe we ought to just rest today. And or because of some circumstances that may have been happening back home, maybe we ought to just pray about it today and seizing that inconvenient moment. But one of the other things I said to him, I said, you know, we have to have margin in our life so that we can build into our relationships. And I encouraged him to consider going away for two weeks. And I encouraged him, obviously, to go overseas, and I I talked about Ireland, but to have no other agenda but to uh, invest in each other for the whole time you're there in Ireland, and to or wherever you go for that two weeks, but to make sure you're investing in your marriage and finding that margin, because you don't want to get to the end of your life and regret regret what you could have done or could have said or could have invested in. Um, so that, that's important. That was a, a lesson that, that I learned. I, I've always gone to Ireland because I was writing, and we enjoy Ireland, obviously. I mean, that was part of the agenda. But this time was just really different, and we enjoyed it so much. We, we, Debbie and I, when we were on the plane heading home, they— just as we touched down in Philadelphia, they made the announcement that Dr. Borgon and his wife were on the plane. They are celebrating 50 years of marriage. The whole plane erupted in applause. They came and handed us two glasses of champagne <laughs> and so a bottle cute. of champagne we could take home. Yeah. And um, but we, I would have, I would have traded it all for a first class seat. <laughs> Keep your champagne. Just move me to the front of the bus. Yeah, but. It's the fact is is that we just so enjoyed just spending time with one another and just laughing. We laughed so much in that six weeks, more so than we did the preceding year. Mm-hmm. What what about the the forty nine um, years and and eleven months and <laughs> and uh, how much laughter did you do then? Well, well, Debbie, because Debbie has is my best friend. Um, we really communicate a lot, and uh, we have certainly our own interests. She has a unique personality, different from mine, but we find things to laugh about. But 
since we were there and we were with each other every waking moment, we found so many different opportunities to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to I gotta, this one comical thing to give you an idea. There is this skit on YouTube of two guys in an elevator that, and the elevator keeps talking and they want to go to the 11th floor and they, the, the voice keeps saying, please articulate and doesn't understand what they're <laughs> saying. And they're, one of the guys finally says, 11, 11, and the doors aren't opening. <laughs> so Debbie and I are in the elevator at Kilronan Castle. <laughs> and uh, we're going from the uh, third floor down to the first floor. And I start the skit, and I start saying, 11, 11, <laughs> the door opens, and there's a, a, one of the people that works out there looking at us because they, they just heard they heard it through the, the doors, and it opens, and I'm saying, 11. <laughs> <laughs> and Debbie and I just roared. That guy had no idea what we were laughing at. Yeah. Did <laughs> but it was silly things you? like that. Yeah. Did the authorities remove you from the castle? <laughs> no. Okay. No, but <laughs> my wife thought they were going to when I crashed that wedding reception. I'm sitting out there, and they're all coming out. They sat down at the table. There were three people that were at this big reception, and I'm sitting there in my sweats with my cap and just sitting down, and, and three guys were playing music, come over to the table, ask me what song to play, and I told them. And, oh, funny. And so all of a sudden around me there were six or seven couples, and we were just talking. And so I went up to the room and told my wife, says, leave it to you. Yeah. Leave it to you. You crashed a wedding and made friends. And then she has this other thing. She says, you know, every time you see a sign that says no trespassing, your mind translates that as there's something really cool behind mm, here. Yeah. So that's why I want to go on these walks with you to make sure you don't go where you're not supposed to go. Right. But anyway, it was those kinds of seemingly silly things. But silly's fun. Oh, it was just silly's fun. Silly's fun. It was just fun. You got this great line here in this um, newsletter you've put out, Greg, and it says, cherish your wives, men. Love her not if, not because, but regardless. Outserve your wife and expect nothing in return. Make every act of love to her an act of worship to the Lord. She just happens to be the recipient and beneficiary. You will be surprised of the result. You know what's interesting about that, Bill, where that came from, when I shared with your audience a few moments ago that Erwin McManus had brought me to Ireland. And when I got back from that little week excursion and got back to Dublin and two of my board members met me, and we took a train up to, to the Odyssey Arena, and I was doing one of the workshops in the arena. And Erwin spoke twice, and then there were six workshops, and I figured about 200 guys would show up, and 2,000 of them showed wow. up to mine. And so they put me in the arena. Through the course of my message, I said to these men, I said, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be almost impossible for you to do. And I even suspect I said that maybe I shouldn't even raise it. I don't think many of you will have the courage to do it. That's the wrong thing to tell a man, right? You don't right. have the courage to do something. Well, maybe I should tell you. And I, so I was bantering back and forth with myself on, on behind the mic. Finally, a guy stood up and said, tell us, tell us. And I says, I want you to outserve your wife and expect nothing in return. Make every act of kindness to your wife an act of worship to the Lord. Just as I put here, and she will just see her as the beneficiary. And don't expect to be appreciated. Don't expect a pat on your back. I want you to do this for three weeks and expect nothing in return. And I guarantee you, if you commit yourself to doing that, you will have a different relationship at the end of that three weeks. The first thing she's going to wonder is what you have to apologize for, what you do that you mm-hmm. had to that you feel guilty about. But once that's over with and you continue to serve her, 
and outserve her, mm-hmm. then um, she's going to enjoy every minute of it. So that's yeah. why I put it in my newsletter this month. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, Greg. And now I'm just curious again about the the lobster dinner. You <laughs> ate seven lobsters. Um, yeah. So how big was the biggest one? Two pounds. So that big lob, big two-pound lobster on the plate must have looked spectacular. Huh? Well, what they did was they had this big um, uh, glass container with all these lobsters in it. And so the, the guy comes along, and I, I told him I wanted lobster. And so he grabs these two prongs and goes in there. Tries, and I said, I want the biggest one in there. Yeah. And this biggest one fought him because he grabbed him. Of course he did. And, and then he, then he yeah. fell off the tongs and finally got it. And he put it on the plate, and the claws hanged over, hung over the plate. Mm. And the other ones were, I told, I joked with, this is one of the things I'm joking with, but I, uh, I, they were high-fiving each other that they weren't selected. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because on your plate, it's a delicacy, but if you saw that behind your furnace in the basement, you'd, you'd call somebody. That's right. That's right. All right. Dr. Greg Borgheim has been my guest. Thank you so much for coming in, and thank you for the, the, the report on your beautiful six weeks in Ireland with your wife, Debbie, for your 50th anniversary. That wraps up our show. Thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. Always love being with you. And, of course, it is now uh, Friday, so it's time to ring the bell. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.